1: Jerry and Tracy, Polly, and their dog Ninja.
2: Hey, guys! Welcome to episode two twelve of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry,
1: and I'm Tracy. Yes, you are. That is.
2: I was just noticing as I was looking over at you that hey, that's Tracy.
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad you remember who I am.
2: <laughs> All right, so. First of all, thank you to all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you for what you do out there. And thank you to all of our frontline people out there during this COVID crisis we got going on. And people are putting their lives on the line every day for us, and we appreciate that.
1: We do. Hopefully this crud will come to an end soon.
2: Hopefully. Hopefully.
1: We appreciate you guys and thank you all for keeping all of us safe.
2: We also want to mention that if you're struggling right now during this time, like I said, I know uh, suicides are are way up in almost every community since the lockdowns and uh, the quarantines and all that stuff started. Even if it's not an official lockdown, people are scared to leave their house in some cases because they have, uh, you know, immune systems that can't handle the virus So for those people out there, if you're struggling and you need to reach out to somebody, please do. Whether it be us, whether it be in the group, whether it be the Suicide Hotline.
1: And that is 800-273-8255. Or you can send a text at 741-741. Awesome. And please reach out to us. We'll do our best to be there for you. And anybody in our group will be doing the same. We love you. You're not alone.
2: Absolutely. Tracy, we are recording our first official episode in our new studio.
1: I know. It's like so crazy in here.
2: A.K.A. Kristen's old room. (laughs) (laughs) Right across the hall from our bedroom.
1: But still. It's so much quieter in here.
2: It is. So the sound actually should be a lot better. I hope so. Than what it has been. Because we were recording for the last four years right across the street from a freeway. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have any kind of special, you know equipment set up or any kind of soundproofing, or anything like that but now we're on the other side of the house and it's it is 10 times better and it's a smaller room so you're going to have probably a little just a little better uh bass and echo and stuff so everything's everything's going to be good at this i've been listening to some of the recordings we've done on some of the patreon shorts Mm -hmm. and it sounds tremendously better in my opinion okay good So I was looking back at some previous episodes and looking at some topics that we've covered the least. Because, you know, we've covered a thousand poltergeists and haunted Mm houses and haunted asylums and stuff. So I wanted to see, what have we not covered as much? And what I came up with was haunted cemeteries, battlegrounds. We've done Gettysburg. That's about it. Uh And as far as, like, uh, national parks, we've done Bodie. And that's more of a state park, not a national park. I don't think we've done any national parks, from the best of my knowledge, except for touching on some like a 411 stuff uh-huh. that was in a national park. So I've decided that over the next couple of weeks, we're going to do some cemeteries and battlegrounds and stuff like that. It seems
1: that. like we've done a crap ton of cemeteries. No,
2: we have Well, I mean, we've done some. We have done a couple of cemeteries like on the shorts and some Patreons, but not on the the big episodes. Huh. I think Bachelor Grove. Uh, was one of the big ones that we've done, and then we co- covered the one in Chicago. Well, Ch- Bachelor Gold's in Chicago too, but we covered the one when we were doing uh, Archer. So mm-hmm. that one, that one had a cemetery in it. But yeah, we really haven't done as many as you probably think. Oh, so all right. Now you've tried to ruin that. We. W- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. <but> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I know we've mentioned, like I said, some of the the national parks and the missing four one one. But what we're going to talk about is a full episode dedicated to Haunted Yellowstone National Park.
1: Never been there.
2: Me either, but after this research, I really want to go. To be she honest did. with you, I couldn't even tell you what state it was in
1: uh-huh.
2: until I did the research on it. I just knew it was out west. Uh-huh. That's all. That's all. Anyways, so let's start.
1: It's where Yogi Bear was.
2: I think that's Jellystone.
1: Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> guess I don't know either. <laughs> okay.
2: So I figured we would start with Jellystone. Sto- Jelly now listen to you. I figured we would start with Yellowstone <laughs> because it was the very first national park in the United States. Wow. It was established on March 1st, 1872. It's approximately 3,472 square miles. And I told you I didn't know exactly where it was till I'd done the research on it. 96% of it is in the state of Wyoming, and 4% of it is a little bit in Idaho and a little bit in Montana.
1: Oh, gosh. So I did not know that.
2: Stories from Yellowstone go back 11,000 years as far as people told stories. So you're going all the way back to Native Americans, you know, obviously, when you go back that far.
1: That... This way far.
2: <laughs> It caught the public's eye back in 1871 when rumors of volcanic activity started coming from all over that area. So an expedition of scientists was sent to explore and investigate, but they weren't alone. They had an artist by the name of Thomas Moran and a photographer by the name of William Henry Jackson. And they came along on the expedition because they were curious. Now, America fell in love with Yellowstone through their paintings and their photographs. Nobody really knew much about it before then. So this was the first glimpse that most of America had Mm -hmm. of the area. The next year, Yellowstone was made into a state park.
1: The next year? Mm -hmm, The following year. Good for that.
2: Now, as far as Yellowstone, the actual landscape, they have numerous hot springs and geysers. There are nearly 500 geysers in the park including Old Faithful, mm-hmm. which most people know. And that's almost half of the number of geysers in the entire world that are in <laughs> All in that one spot. Yep. And, and a, a lot of them actually are right around in the same vicinity. There are a lot of them around where Old Faithful is, of the oh, 500.
1: That's interesting.
2: So we mentioned volcanic activity that kind of drew the scientists to the park initially. Yellowstone is volcanically active even to this day. It's a very active area. Matter of fact, there's been a lot of stuff I've seen like, on Facebook and, and all this about you know the possibility of an eruption eventually out there. And people, they, they say that if there was an eruption there, it's big enough to destroy the entire United States.
1: Oh, God.
2: It's like huge. But scientists say that there is very little chance of anything like that happening at least in the next 2,000 years. So there could be something to happen well, after that, but it's
1: been brewing a while, you never know when it's gonna blow its top.
2: Well they kind of do, they're scientists. Oh. So <laughs> for the most part they're they're pretty pretty good at the seismology when it comes to that kind of things. Well, I guess seismology is earthquake, but sometimes that's caused by yeah. Volcanoes and stuff. But anyway, that's what they're saying on there.
1: Well, some people don't know everything, you know.
2: That's true. Much of Yellowstone is situated over the Yellowstone caldera. This particular caldera was formed about 640,000 years ago during a massive volcanic eruption. Today, that caldera is about 30 by 45 miles wide.
1: Wow.
2: That's pretty big. Yeah. (laughs) So besides the hot springs and the geysers, there's also some other what they call hydrothermal features. Yellowstone is one of the best spots in the world to study these features. Fumaroles are pockets of the earth that kind of spit out hot steam. So just imagine if you were just looking and there was just steam coming out of the ground in different areas. Those are called fumaroles.
1: Can you hold your face over and get a facial?
2: I don't think that would be advisable by some of the stories (laughs) that we've got going on.
1: Uh, Because it would melt your face off?
2: Right. (laughs) You can actually hear like the steam pockets being released all over this area and bubbling. You can hear bubbling too.
1: Mm, That's kind of cool.
2: There are acidic hot springs that cause bubbling mud pits. This is where the acidic water melts and dissolves the rocks around it. Still want to hold your face over one of these things?
1: Um, that'll be a big no.
2: (laughs) And yes, there have been stories of people being killed and actually dissolved in minutes from falling into these. So the reason that there are so many hydrothermal occurrences here is because Yellowstone sits on a geological hotspot. This is where molten rock, known as magma, <laughs> reach closer to the surface than anywhere else, more than what's natural. So it just sets a little higher. So you got all this hot yeah. magma that's that's really close to the Earth. Yellowstone's ecosystem is pretty much has it all too. They've got all kinds of different types of trees, all kinds of different types of rivers and lakes, and uh, then they got all kinds of different animals, especially like bison and elk mm-hmm. and those types of animals that run around there. So it's a really, a really cool, it's got, it, it, Yellowstone has its own ecosystem. It's called the Yellowstone ecosystem. So everything is as natural as can be out there. So before we get into paranormal parts of Yellowstone, I mentioned that people have actually been killed in the acidic springs. At least 20 people over the years have died by wow. some of these springs. Horrible in the water. death. Oh, it's got to be. So, we're going to talk about a few of them real quick before we get into paranormal. In 2016, 23 year old Colin Scott died when he and his sister, Sable, were visiting the park. So, if you've ever been out there, and of course we haven't, but I saw what's going on. They've got these boardwalks and stuff all over the place. And they tell you specifically, don't get off the boardwalk. There's a reason why they have boardwalks, because this water can damage mm-hmm. and do and do major, you know, uh, damage to your body or even kill you. So you're supposed to stay on them. Well, these brother and sister were out looking for a place to soak in the springs. That's what they decided they were going to do. And Sable had her phone out. She was filming. Her brother was at one of the springs, and he decided to reach down and test the water. And as he did, he fell in. She immediately called 911, which, by the way, is a hard thing to do because in the park, they said it, reception and everything is horrible out there. So even if you have phone service, and getting texts and stuff to go through doesn't always happen, even though it shows you've got, you know, service.
1: Bless her heart.
2: So rescue teams came out. They found the body, but they were losing daylight. There was also this huge lightning storm coming into the area. Those two things combined with just the fact that they were risking themselves, danger to themselves uh, by trying to retrieve the body, they decided to hold off to the next day. It was obvious he was dead. There was no way fans and butts about that. But the rescue operation to save the body, they decided they were gonna have to wait till the next morning. When they got came back the next morning, there was virtually nothing left of his body. Oh, my God. The acid had dissolved him overnight. Think about that.
1: I can't. That's horrible.
2: In the year 2000, Sarah Holfer, she was working uh, uh, like a, what do you call it, a seasonal position there at the park. Mm-hmm. And her and a couple of friends... They were over at a uh, lower geyser basin. They had done some swimming in a hot spring when you could actually could swing it. Swim met, but it was nighttime. and they were they left and they saw a small creek. They thought they could jump over it and they couldn't. This was not a creek you wanted to be in. Oh my God. Apparently the water was over 200 degrees. <gasps> and they fell in. All of them? All of them fell in. Sarah, unfortunately, lost her life. The other two were able to be saved with third-degree burns all over their body.
1: Oh, my gosh. Ugh. This is heart-wrenching.
2: So how about that for a start of the story?
1: That's terrible. They should just not let anybody do that.
2: Well, I mean, but when... People have to be responsible for themselves. There's also a bear that killed a man in a tent. But I didn't write that any of that stuff down. That. <laughs> the reality of it is, it's nature. And when they say, stay on the path, because it's dangerous, you have to stay on the path. Nobody tells you to go frolicking around at nighttime and jumping over. Now, if, I mean, if I told you that, hey, uh, we're at a place that you don't know really well, even if you work there, it's 3,400 miles. I mean, Jesus, that's a lot of land. Mm-hmm. You don't know all of it. But if I told you, hey, go on, you're going to be out here, and it's really dangerous, don't go out there, especially at nighttime where you can't see, and you go out and do that, I mean, that's kind of on you.
1: Well, I mean, that's very, very true, and that's very unfortunate for them girls. That's just terrible.
2: All you want to do some paranormal stuff now, since we covered a little bit of the background? Yeah. All right, we'll get into the paranormal stuff, but I got to first say that this podcast is brought to you by, oh, you could take a hot sauce. It is fantastic. Yeah. I mean fantastic. So I'm going to tell you what I made with it. But first want to say it is the number one habanero-based hot sauce in the United States. And in the top 10 of all hot sauce in the United States. That's a pretty strong company.
1: Yep. Yeah, and it is for a good reason. It is delicious.
2: On top of that, you can get it almost anywhere. All of your major grocers have it. Walmart, Target, just to name a few. And for some reason, if you can't find it, ask your grocer to put it in stock. But if you can't wait for them to put it in stock, go to com and you can order it straight from there. So here's what we did. I wanted to make my own wing sauce. And I've made wing sauce before, but this one I used just the, the straight the, the basic red sauce.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Melted some butter, put the put the sauce in there, take hot sauce. And then I put some honey in it to make it sweet, mix it up, and I used that to put on wings.
1: Man, it was so good. It was so good. It was. It was sweet and then but it had a kick to it.
2: Yeah, but not too much of a kick. No, because uh-huh. that's the thing with O Yucateco. They're good they got the heat, but they're more about the flavor than the heat. And uh-huh. that's what makes them special. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I, some hot sauces they just burn you up and oh, yeah. you don't even realize that it was like you can't even enjoy it. Right. That's not right. the case with these. Because you're like, <laughs> 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 like that. <laughs> All right. So let's Get in to the paranormal. Dang. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff here. So we, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover a lot of it. And then uh, we'll cover some more on shorts during the week. Because like I said, there's plenty here. All right. In 1872, when Yellowstone was made a national park, there was no one allocated for protecting the park. They didn't have like a park service or anything mm-hmm. yet. And because they didn't have anybody in charge, there were still a bunch of people poaching, there was a bunch of people coming up there taking things as souvenirs, and there really wasn't anybody to control it. So, In 1886, Fort Custer sent Captain Moses Harris and 50 soldiers down to handle the park. They were basically the first park rangers. But they were the military. Mm -hmm. So the military actually covered all this for a while. The soldiers got there in August, and they set up Camp Sheridan at the foot of Capitol Hill at Mammoth. Mammoth is actually a city up there, so you'll hear that mentioned a bunch as we go. And initially, there was supposed to be a a temporary setup, but the the camp and the arrangement lasted for about 30 years.
1: (laughs) So it's
2: (laughs) it's kind of of the way we temporarily do stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Captain Harris was the first military superintendent of the park. And in 1890, Congress designated for a permanent post there. That became Fort Yellowstone, and they kept enlarging the fort whenever they needed to. And eventually it got big enough where they had four different troops in there at the same time. Of course, over the years, the fort saw its share of death. He had soldiers, the soldier's families, civilians, a little bit of everything, everybody in there. These people were buried in the Fort Yellowstone Army Cemetery, which was right there behind there. But in 1916, the National Park Service was created, and the Army no longer controlled the park. So the Army vacated the park on July 4, 1916. The next year, all of the remains that were in the military cemetery were mysteriously dug up and moved to a cemetery called Custer's Battlefield in southeastern Montana.
1: So the people that died then was it was it because of the spring some of it or I don't know. Because well, I think of like, just
2: well, they were there for 30 years. So I mean well, you're going to have people there that just over the course of 30 years are going to die from either old age or they're going to die from falling off a cliff or right. or well, whatever. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure some of them probably did cuz I'd imagine I mean, how do you realize that those things are bad till somebody falls into it? Well, and I mean and then you gotta like, find out somehow yeah. that's
1: exactly right. So it's sorrowful, somebody had to be the first one.
2: <laughs> All right, so the old Fort Yellowstone Cemetery on the, is on the hillside with mammoth horse corrals. So you got right now where the where the cemetery was, mm-hmm. if you went there today, there's some mammoth horse corrals up there, but that's where the cemetery was. And they say if you go there late in the evening Voices can be heard coming from the old fenced-in graveyard.
1: Ooh.
2: Voices what are they ca- saying, "Voice, well, interesting." You said that instead, it's voices that are calling for their fathers, their husbands, and their friends that were taken from them. Because well, keep in mind, you had people who died and were put in that cemetery. Mm-hmm. So somewhere down the line, you know, they got moved. Maybe somebody didn't. Some of these people didn't know where they got moved to, or yeah. they didn't know. Because remember, I said it was mysterious. They mysteriously were mysteriously removed. So I don't really know all the details. I tried to find out a little more about what, what they meant by mysteriously moved. And I really couldn't find out any details. I yeah. just know that I I think the intention was them for them to stay there. Mm-hmm. But then somebody just came and said, oh, we're taking them all with us.
1: I bet some of them are, were saying, damn, that spring's hot.
2: Probably. You I'm, I'm glad we moved. I hope they move us to the shade. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, it's, if, it's, if it's hot there and you go six feet down and a little bit more, but... Oh.
1: I just can't imagine how horrible, oh my gosh, that is to fall in that thing. Uh, I can't. I just can't.
2: You want to hear a love story? I would love to. Ed Wilson came to Yellowstone in 1885, and he worked as a maintenance assistant. He worked his way all the way up to Army Scout. Whoa. He took this job very seriously. He was a very big disciplinarian, and several of the soldiers didn't like him because he would snitch on them in a heartbeat for out there per- poaching on land when they weren't supposed to be.
0: Oh.
2: But there were other reasons why they didn't like Ed. It seems that Ed had a dark side and most people really couldn't understand why he was the way he was, but he often spoke of mysterious and unseen things. So he, he was probably like us. Mm-hmm. He's talking about ghosts and stuff in the 1880s. That probably would not a big you know, thing to do. Most people, you know, you're already too too far before that they were hanging you know witches and everything else so
1: definitely
2: he liked to travel alone usually at nighttime and he would always scout like during the darkest and fiercest storms where people like why the hell are you out in this oh my
1: gosh yeah why
2: but ed wilson eventually he met and fell in love with mary rosetta henderson in 1891 Mary's father was G.L. Henderson, and he would be a prominent part of Yellowstone history, and you're going to hear him mention through a couple of stories tonight. The problem was that Mary did not have the same feelings that Ed had towards her. Hell, you know, Ed was in his late 30s, and Mary had her pick of any of the young soldiers there, and, I mean, her dad was the big shot in town, and mm-hmm. she was young and beautiful and rich, and, you know, what the hell she want with Ed,
1: and, you know? Well, probably because who wants somebody that creeps around in the middle of the night by herself?
2: Right. And... It, then it's one of the things, too. I mean, that's not to mention the fact that word had probably gotten back to her that he was a little on the strange side. Yeah. You know. Anyway, it soon became obvious that Mary would uh, not ever be interested in him. So, he finally dealt with the fact that it is what it is. So, on July 27th, Ed went to the hill in back of the mammoth village, and he poisoned himself.
1: Why? Just because she didn't want nothing to do with him?
2: Absolutely. So nobody saw him leave. So they it took a while before they noticed that he was actually missing. And as soon as they did, a couple of days later, they formed a search party. They didn't find him. It's a vast area. So, if, you know, when you don't know where the, where the heck he could have went. It took a year before they found his body. Somebody had actually was roaming around up on the hill and they found a skeletal remain. And next to the skeletal remain was an empty bottle of morphine. So,
1: Ooh, he must have took a shit ton of morphine for that to kill him.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't morphine's know you, good stuff. I don't. I didn't know you could kill yourself with morphine. But I didn't really can.
1: either. Well, maybe he could have been allergic to it. Because if you're allergic to morphine, if you take enough of it, it, could probably kill you.
2: Probably so. He probably didn't know. Well, I guess he could have known that he was allergic to morphine. I mean,
1: because Daddy knew he was allergic to morphine, and the stupid hospital gave him morphine. And I could hear him crying like he was dying. So maybe that was it.
2: Possible. So for the last 150 years, people report seeing a faint light up on top of the hill above the Mammoth Hot Springs Village. Employees and visitors have both claimed to see it. They said it's not every night, but sometimes when there is no moon and the black sky is full of stars, that you can see the light on top of the hill. That same hill where Ed Wilson decided that he could not live without Mary Rose.
1: I can't believe they found him. It took a whole year to find him.
2: Well, I mean, it's a big area. And if and if he's in a part that nobody goes to.
1: Yeah, I guess that's
2: true. The hill where Ed Wilson decided that he could not live without Mary. All right, the next person we're going to talk about is a doozy to pronounce. And I will probably screw it up. All right, let me take an attempt at this name. It's Hiram Martin Chittenden. Like Crittenden, but Chittenden.
1: You did good.
2: Well, I, well, I don't know if that's correct. <laughs> that's I don't, Doc Baker's I don't, name, Hiram. I don't, I don't know if it's Hiram or Hiram, because I've, I've seen it both ways. But anyway, that was the name. So we're going to talk about him. He was one of Yellowstone's most well-known figures. He spent two tours at Yellowstone, and he was part of the Army Corps of Engineers. In 1891... He came and took his very first tour of, of duty there, and he was in charge of constructing and maintenance of the roads and the bridges in the park. Oh, very cool. He fell in love with Yellowstone and said that he, he would just love to be there continuously. Unfortunately, when you're in the military, you don't get to just stay where yeah, you want. Yeah, you don't
1: get to choose, right.
2: So they did come back in 1899 for a second tour, and he was thrilled to be back. He, it was his favorite station and, and the place that made his family the happiest, he said. Oh, how nice. This would only be during the spring all the way through to the fall. And in the wintertime, he had like his winter home that he went to in Idaho. So I guess he were there.
1: Where the taters
2: grow. Yeah, he was there. He was there seasonal. In
1: 1902. <laughs> I made
2: a rhyme. I uh, know. And I skipped right over it. <laughs> in 1902, Hiram got a bigger budget. So he updated the buildings and all the offices there at the park. He also built a new mess hall and a new house for himself.
1: Well, look at him.
2: It was nothing fancy. It was just a basic wood home. Yeah. That's what he liked. His house was just east of the Mammoth Hot Springs Hotel. He loved to spend his time out on the deck. He would sit out there and he would read and uh, write some stuff. And he would smoke his favorite cigars out on the deck. In 1905, Hiram was stationed in the Northwest, so he had to leave. But that new home out there and two years later was gone. What? He built a new home in 1903, but then he was restationed somewhere else two years later.
1: Oh, somebody else got to live in their house.
2: Yep. He never lived in Yellowstone ever again.
1: Oh, <gasps> how come?
2: Partly because he died in 1907, 1917.
1: I'm sorry. He did. Yep. Why? I don't know. Aww.
3: I Have
2: no idea. He was returned to his Yellowstone home though several times since his death. At least that's what the employers at the park think.
1: Oh, good for him. He got to come back home.
2: Hiram's old house is now the offices for the Yellowstone Association and the Yellowstone Institute. There were no initial signs of him making any kind of appearances at first. But recently, though, the lights tend to flicker on and off. Good. Sometimes he messes with the computers.
1: <laughs> He's like, he probably is like, what's this? Yeah.
2: <laughs> And he said to randomly open and close the door for employees.
1: Now, see, did they name the house after him or anything like that after him? I I have no idea. They should have. I have
2: no idea. I didn't see what the name of it was. Because it's just the name. It's just the offices there for those companies. So they probably don't have a name. I mean, some buildings still have a name and have offices within them. But then I don't know. One of the staff members said that he forgot something late one night. And as he got to the top of the stairs, the door opened for him.
1: Well, I'll be daggone. He is so nice.
2: And the biggest reason that they seem to think that Hiram is the, the ghost that's haunting the place is because they have the smell of cigar smoke upstairs on a regular basis, especially where his old bedroom is. And then obviously this is a strange occurrence because smoking has not been allowed in that building for several years.
1: Sure. Well, maybe he keeps doing that stuff because if he feels like he's given up a good aura... That people will still be nice and respect to stuff and things like that.
2: I wonder why so many people who supposedly smoke cigars all the time, that's one of the things that people smell when they're around.
1: I don't know, but that's the worst thing to smell ever. Unless you got some Black and Miles going on up in there.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think they had any Black and Miles back in <laughs> 1917. Because those
1: cigars, they stink.
2: <laughs> so why did he come back? Besides the fact that he loved the place, obviously. He told somebody before that he regretted not being able to do more for Yellowstone Park.
1: He is the sweetest person.
2: So maybe he's just there to kind of mentor and guide people if they need it.
1: Aww. I love him.
2: Next, we've got one of the oldest buildings in in Mammoth is the Hamilton Store. It's got a few ghosts, but one was discovered by accident in the summer of 1987. And I'm sure you're thinking, how in the hell do you accidentally discover a ghost? (laughs) I don't know. So So an employee went upstairs. Nothing
1: shocks me anymore these days. That's
2: true. An employee goes upstairs, it was after closing, and she went into the storage room and got some items to restock the shelves. She hears some heavy footsteps along with a a dress rustling coming up behind her. And not only it comes up the steps, and then it's like down the aisle beside her that mm, she's in.
1: That's so scary. Did she run?
2: No, she didn't. But she hears these footsteps, and she at the footsteps stop at the same time she feels a hand touch her. Then she quickly turned and got the hell out of there. I would have put her to work. <laughs> I'd be like, come on, help me stock this stuff. So she wasn't going to tell anybody about what happened. I mean, she's yeah. just kind of keeping this to herself. But she overhears another employee telling about a similar encounter that they had. So they share their stories and they come to the conclusion that this must have been the exact same spirit because it was almost the same situation. But who? Well, the best guess is one of Geo Henderson's four daughters. Told you we were going to hear about G.L. a couple of times. As said earlier, he was a very prominent part of this area. So remember one of those daughters was Mary Rose.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And remember what happened to Ed with his yeah. penguin with Mary. So Gio came to the park in 1882 with his son and four daughters after his wife had died.
1: I wonder if Mary felt
2: guilty. Probably, I, I would think she was. She's probably human. If she even put together that it was because of her.
0: Hmm,
2: you know. That's true. Lily Henderson was made postmistress in July of 1882, shortly after they got there. She married a gentleman by the name of Alex Lyell in 1896, which was about the same time that the Hamilton store that we just started talking about was built. He was a builder. Uh, you know, he was a construction engineer, and he helped in actually building the store. And obviously her dad was the one fronting the money. He helped mm-hmm. build it, and then he turned it over to his daughter and son-in-law to manage the place. Alex and Lily ran the store. And they later joined up with Lily's sister, Jenny, to kind of start up some other stores throughout the park. So all three of them eventually were managers of this little, uh, what would you call it, a chain of stores that were yeah. throughout. Jenny. <laughs> that was not good. <laughs> <laughs> Most assured that it's Lily who actually haunts the store, though. She said to follow staff around to kind of make sure that they're doing their job properly. Gio Henderson was known as the godfather of Yellowstone because he was one of the park's first original promoters. So he helped build Yellowstone into what it was as far as a tourist attraction. He was a park warden as well as a transportation operator. He was also a hotelier. And, of course, he ran the Hamilton store. So he did a little bit of everything.
1: Oh, yeah, he did a lot.
2: He, he was making bank. Making bank. Henderson loved to take tourists to the River Styx in the Devil's Kitchen. So anyone could go there, but they were kind of hard to find, and he knew how to find them, so everybody came to him when they wanted to go out that way. River Styx is a hot water creek that disappeared underground around the Mammoth Hot Springs uh, area there. So just give you that. And obviously, if you know anything about the River Styx in Greek mythology, the River Styx was like the river in Hades. which was, you know, basically hell. And that was where, you know, when people dead would cross over if they were going to hell and all that stuff. So that's why they named it River Styx, because obviously it was like a hot creek, so.
1: Well, I'm glad I didn't know that.
2: (laughs) There's also some caves there. The name of these caves are called Stygian. And the thing about these caves (laughs) is they got a reputation for having poisonous gas coming out from them because of the Carbon monoxide and all that stuff that, that builds up. Sort of like
1: what you had earlier and about Killed Me.
2: That was probably pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> but these would kill birds and insects.
1: That almost killed me. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you a few quick stories before we get into the most famous story from Yellowstone. Are you done? <laughs> One of these stories take place at the lower falls of Yellowstone. The story takes place in 1870. Some militia men were in the area and they were looking for gold. Some Native Americans stole their horses. The men chased the natives and they ended up in the water. The natives did. Native Americans jumped off the horses. They got on a raft and attempted to cross the creek, but were swept over the falls.
1: Why him to the horses?
2: I don't know what happened. Why would you ask about the horses? The horses probably had the ability to get off. That's, <laughs> That's what she said. Anyway, so I'm sure the horses were fine. I hope so. They probably wouldn't have went over if they were in a raft. So
1: why did they stay on the horses though?
2: I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they got in and figured they couldn't pass it. I don't know. You always ask the questions that I have no way of even knowing an answer to. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. He took off his jacket. What color was the jacket? I don't know. (laughs) It's not pertinent to the story. Anyway, some visitors to the fall, they report hearing chanting going on there. And some have even said that the water turns red as if it was filled with blood.
1: Oh, I need to be some
2: wine. Natch. Ninja. <laughs> oh, ninja. So this story, the next one is from the 1920s. There's an employee was told to to by the supervisor to go check out a wrecked steamboat on Stevenson Island. Apparently, there were some people on the steamboat partying the night before. So the fact that it's now wrecked up on this island, <laughs> they figured, let's go find out what's going on, and make sure everybody's okay.
1: Maybe we're doing a boats and hoe video.
2: Maybe they were. I can imagine doing that in a steamboat. <laughs> Steamboats and hoes. Boats and hoes. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> he goes out there. Right as he gets to the island, a huge storm just blows up out of nowhere. He comes across a body. The body was wearing clothes that were completely soaked, but that wasn't what drew his attention. Obviously, there's water around well, his yeah, store, it's going to be, be wet. soaked. But these clothes were from another century. This guy did not look like anybody that would have been dressed today. Can
1: you imagine having to wear wet clothes all the years?
2: Who said it was anything years? This is from the night before. Oh. Anyways, his eyes were, were bulging out of his head. They said that his face was blue. And he had no pulse. Why are you making faces? I was
1: trying to make my eyes bulge out of my head. I couldn't do
2: it. That works well for radio. Anyways, (laughs) much to his surprise, the body vanished right in front of him. And so did the storm at the exact same time. It's the storm and the body disappeared instantaneously.
1: Oh, gosh. That's cool. All
2: right, let's do one more quick one. And then we're going to talk about the big one. So this is going to be a story about John Yancey. In 1903, the 77-year-old Yancey got to meet President Teddy Roosevelt. This was at a dedication of the Roosevelt Arch in Gardner, Montana. Unfortunately, he caught a cold at this event, which turned into pneumonia, which he died from soon after meeting the president.
1: Well, that's not good.
2: No, it's not good.
1: I bet the president was like...
2: Hey, I'm sure the the president, I don't catch that. I'm sure the president had no clue. Oh. Yancey's ghost has booked a room there at the Roosevelt Lodge, though, ever since. Apparently, he's a little on the annoying side, because employees say that they hear a tin cup banging on the walls in the early morning. Items go missing, and then they reappear in, reappear in odd and random places. And this one is a first for me. <laughs> Yancey's spirit also likes to unsaddle horses. Especially ones previously ridden by Pretty women.
1: (laughs) 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 Okay, he was a perv. He was. He was
2: a perv. He's probably
1: probably in the back sniffing the saddle.
2: That's disgusting. What? Well, I mean, well, not for that, but it's got a horse on the bottom. Yeah, but. Let it go. Okay. All right. Are you ready to talk about Old Faithful Inn and the most famous story from the area? Yes. Well, I'm going to tell you all about it after this quick break from our sponsor. The Old Faithful Inn. Now, this hotel, it sits on the same site that used to have a previous hotel setting on it. That was the Upper Geyser Basin Hotel, but it burned down. So when it did, they decided to build this hotel on top of it. So the old house, as it's called, was erected initially in 1903, which is the oldest part of the complex. At the lodge, as demand increased for more lodging, more buildings were added. On the interior, there are four stories of balconies and a chimney and a crow's nest right in the middle of the mammoth room. So, the hotel is right now listed on the National Register of Historic Places mm-hmm. and has several famous guests that have stayed there, including Franklin and Teddy Roosevelt. This place is supposedly also extremely haunted, which is why we saved it for last. One it's guest.
1: Extremely? Extremely. Okay. Well, let's hear about this. Huh? <laughs> interrupting you.
2: So one guest while staying in the room, uh, room number two, a matter of fact, woke up in the middle of the night to see something unexpected. She immediately poked her husband and asked if he saw the lady in the 1890s clothing hovering at the foot of their bed. I don't know if he did or not.
1: Well, I don't know. I think, do you think hovering is worse than standing at the foot of the bed?
2: Well, yeah, because you know when somebody's hovering they're not Real. Standing there. Yeah. So, anybody can be standing there, but yeah. People don't hover. The most famous story here, though, however, is the headless bride. So we're going to New York City, nineteen fourteen. A beautiful young socialite meets a man much older than her, and she falls in love with him. Now this man was a servant at the home. She was told by her father that she could not marry him, even though that's what she wanted to do. Mm -hmm. He said no. And he had his reasons. He didn't like the fact that the guy was much older than her. And he also didn't think that this guy was genuine. He told her, he said, look, this guy's just only into you for your money. That's it. I don't trust him as far as I could throw him. Well, she didn't really care. And she was determined to marry him, no matter what her father thought. So, Her father said, well, I've got an option. Your Mm -hmm. only option. He would allow the marriage, but only under one condition. I cut your head off. No. What? She was going to get a lump sum dowry for the wedding, but she would be cut off and not have any inheritance for the future, and she must move from New York City. Gone. I want you gone. So I'll give you a little bit of money, but that's it. We're through after this. So the daughter took the deal. And the couple got married, and they decided to honeymoon in Yellowstone National Park. Guess what? Looks like Dad was right.
1: Did he throw her in one of those things?
2: No. The man started blowing money left and right, mostly on drinking and gambling. The couple started fighting on a nightly basis. Keep in mind, they were on their honeymoon, so they weren't there long. One night, the husband slammed the door to the hotel and was never seen again. The staff decided that they were going to give the bride a little bit of space. Obviously, she's probably upset. She's on her honeymoon. This guy just ups and leaves her. So there you go. Well, after a couple of days, they hadn't seen her. So they went to check on her. What they saw was a grisly scene. The bride was in the bathtub. She had been decapitated, but her head was not in the bathtub or anywhere in the room that was a bloody mess. So they searched the entire hotel but didn't find the head. A week later, some guests started complaining of a very foul smell. They followed the smell to the hotel's crow's nest and there was the head 85 feet above the hotel lobby up in the crow's nest. Guests today frequently frequently report a woman, wearing a flowing white dress, holding her head under her arm. She wanders the halls of the Old Faithful Inn. She is seen more often than not on the upper levels near the crow's nest. And that's the most famous story, of
1: who took her head
2: Yellowstone. Off? The husband killed her.
1: I thought he was gone. Oh, I mean, I kind of figured that, but I thought he left before. Oh, and they must have just snuck back in, I guess.
2: Well, he probably put the head up her before he left. It's my guess. You don't normally like commit a crime and then come back.
1: Oh, I thought you. I thought they had seen her. Oh no, wait, because you said they were going to leave her alone.
2: Right, they had left her alone. What a jerk! Yeah, he apparently was. So, is the story true? Aw. Well.
1: I mean, I hope not. That's terrible. A former
2: manager said that she invented the story back in the 1980s to attract guests, but people say they still see her. So you got a couple of things. Either A, people aren't really seeing her and they're making stuff up, or it's a figment of their imagination because they think Mm -hmm. that it's going to be there. Or... The lady's lying. And that's just been the story a lot longer than that. Nobody can really find out if the story went back there. She says that's kind of when it started. Mm-hmm. And if you noticed in the story, there really wasn't any names. It was the father and the daughter and that's the really, guy. Yeah, that's true. So, really, so I, I tend to lean towards probably she did make the story up. I would would she lie about it. And if it was their truck, I mean, think about it. We're we're sitting here. That was in the 80s. We're now in 2020. That's, you know, 35 to 40 years ago. And people are still talking about it. And it's the most famous story. So she came up with a pretty good story, if that's mm-hmm. the case. And you got deals like people like Slender Man and stuff that, that people think that, oh, even though it's made up, if enough people think it, it can become reality. Reality, yeah. So who knows? But anyways.
1: I hope it didn't happen to her. That's horrible.
2: That's the stories, uh, uh, some stories from Yellowstone National Park. And like I said, if you're on Patreon, we'll probably do stories all this week from Yellowstone because there are plenty more.
1: hmm
2: So, how Interesting. about that? Tracy, Always what... Always
1: listen to your daddy.
2: Yeah, that's right. What mm-hmm. do we have for Patreon and iTunes reviews this week?
1: Well, we had some really nice reviews except one and <laughs> he can just bite me. No,
2: I'm just kidding.
1: I'm just kidding. Not really, but just kidding. He's
2: one of our forefathers. Yes, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas
1: Jefferson left us a really bad review, and I'm sorry, Mister Jefferson, but <laughs> uh, we're moving on up, and you can just get out. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. and you know, like I said, we don't we get bad reviews, and we don't we got to where we don't even mention them. This one was odd though, because he said in the review something to the point of. The only stories we do are the big name stories that everybody's done. The show hasn't grown in four years of uh, being on. And that now we've got uh, Kristen and Dakota doing their episodes. So that was a one star and he was out because of that. Yeah. Well, for, if you don't like Kristen and Dakota, it's for kids. Why does it bother you that we put an episode out for kids? Don't listen to it if you don't like to. But, I mean, I can understand when if people don't want to listen to that. It's not for everybody. It's for no, kids. But that's for, okay. yeah, you know, so.
1: we we still love you, Thomas. okay. All right. the other ones were g c o b b, Kanaya, and Depp e g wanted to. Thank you guys for your wonderful reviews. We really appreciate it. And our patreons this week was Sarah, Laura, Grandma. And Carolyn Coleman, thank you, guys. It was just so nice of you. We appreciate your support. It means the world to us. And I was just kidding about the review. We we get bad reviews. It's okay. It's okay. Don't talk about my grandkids, though. I'll have to hurt you.
2: Yeah, that's a little different.
1: Yeah. So, just saying. So, uh, anyway, thank you guys. And, again, we love the reviews. Please keep them coming. Um, And, you know, if if, honestly, if there's things that you really think that we need to improve on.
2: Send us a message. You don't have to send it. We can actually get email and stuff. Yeah, send
1: us a message and and, uh, (laughs) things like that. And then we will do our best to give you guys what you want for sure.
2: Now, to end the show tonight, we were supposed to be doing Fear of the Week, but... Somehow, or another Leslie and I couldn't connect this week. We were both super busy. It's more on my end than her end, mm-hmm. but uh, we didn't connect, so didn't. So we'll be back next week with fear of the week. But I do have a cool interview with Jesse and Bree. You guys are gonna love this. <laughs> they they they're funny as hell, but they actually worked in a haunted house, and I mean like a haunted attraction. But the haunted house was an old hotel that was haunted before it became a haunted attraction. So they have a lot of fun uh, telling you about some of the stuff that went on in this haunted attraction. Um, obviously, we've got that. And then uh, we got to hook up with uh, a listener, Tanya, over the weekend. And we had some fun. We got to go to Bobby Mackey's and just kind of chill outside. And we went and ate some lunch. And we had some fun just hanging out. Unfortunately, she was in town for a funeral. and um, But she got a good positive week. She got to meet some family members she that did. she had never met before. And uh, it turned out to be, even though it was a somber event, it turned into be a very good thing as far as getting to meet people that she'd waited her whole life to meet.
1: Absolutely. She's awesome. We love you, girl. It was such an honor to meet you.
2: All right. Let's listen to Jesse and Bree. Hey, guys, we are on with Jesse and Bree from Lawrenceburg, and uh, that's here in Kentucky. A lot of cool stuff. That's where the Wild Man is up there, kind of like a Bigfoot-type character, and you've heard us talk about that before when we had Lee Kirkland on the show. Of course, he does a, a convention up there called Wildman Days strictly for that, so we got into detail about that about a month ago. There's also another nice location as far as the paranormal goes when it comes to Lawrenceburg and that's the Anderson Hotel, and that's what you guys want to talk to us about. First of all, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. It's no problem at all. I'm going to turn the microphone over to you two and let you tell us about the experiences you've had at the Anderson Hotel.
3: Okay, so my first year working in the hotel, I was actually in a cage. It was a caged bathroom. I was feeling like I was being strangled, and I actually had bruises on my neck after we left for the night. It was... Pretty pretty scary.
0: Yeah, and um, <laughs> after that had happened, we had actually gone into the backstory of the hotel to learn because the hotel has been turned into a haunted house every year. And uh, we had learned that there was a man who had died in the hotel who was notoriously known for strangling women, especially his uh, wives, and beating them and just being very, very harmful towards any women that he ever saw and we believe that it was the spirit of that man trying to get to Bree while I on the other hand before we had joined into the hotel I hadn't much of an experience with the paranormal I was always interested in it reading books and hearing stories I've only had one or two experiences before this happened and I did something that you're normally not supposed to do when working with the paranormal and paranormal places I was trying to antagonize the spirits that were within there so every night of the hotel, we would go up the main stairway, get ready for everything, and every time I went up there, I always was trying to antagonize the spirits, like insulting them, saying, if you do something to me, I will stop. Well, about two weeks before our season came to an end, I was in a room with a Jeepers Creepers-like character. He was wearing skirts and had this whole big kind of show about how he did everything. I was supposed to be laying in a bed like he was supposed to be, like a boogeyman kind of character. I was supposed to stay out in the hall and wait for a signal for a group to come in. Now, keep in mind, in that room, there was a doorway to a bathroom that we had removed the door to and there was nowhere to put it. So we put it behind the main door of the room, but we angled it to where no matter how hard you hit it, no matter where you hit it, it would not topple over on the person who closed the door. Well, I got the signal for a group coming in. And I rushed in like I normally do and went to slam the door shut. As soon as the door shut, I looked over to my left. And next thing you know, I saw a door coming. The last second, I blocked it with my wrist. It really messed up my wrist. I had to be sent home early for the night. But after that, I stopped antagonizing the spirits. But they never stopped proving that they were there to me and to other people within the hotel. Another instance, uh, I was in a little hallway area leading out the back door, which we hadn't used that season so i was doing a little pop scare kind of thing all night i kept hearing footsteps coming up the stairwell stairwell behind me and i was thinking oh there must be someone some security just running up and down well we had a small break so i decided to check and i found out that the back door to lead out of the hotel was locked and no one had the key to that just yet So we went back from our break, and next thing you know, I started hearing the steps again. All of a sudden, they just kept getting closer. Like they would go to about the middle way up the steps and then go back down. This time, the steps went all the way up the stairwell and came towards me. Next thing you know, I hear a loud boom right behind me, like someone dropped a box of heavy things right behind me. I will be the first to admit, it scared the ever living crap out of me. I quickly turned around and I saw nothing there whatsoever. So I knew that I just had to get away from that area because I did not feel comfortable there anymore.
3: And another incident that happened with me last year, I was in a doll room, meaning there were porcelain dolls, baby dolls, any kind of doll you could think of was in this room. And we had about probably a five foot tall dollhouse. One night before we opened, I went up there to get like all the lights and stuff ready. And I heard like a laughing, like a baby laugh. So I was like, okay, what's going on? And none of these dolls were like battery operated. They, they were just dolls. They, they couldn't make noise. After a while, I was like, "Okay, you know, I'm just gonna leave." I got a little scared, so <laughs> I went to get ready. And I actually had Jesse go up there with me. When he went in there with me, he actually heard. I think, did you hear the
0: yes, the dolls that.
3: making noises? Yes, I did. Yeah. And then there was a clown room the year before. Every like the clown pictures and everything just started moving by themselves and it was it was pretty creepy
0: the thing about the clown room was they had noticed there was also clown dolls and things in there they noticed that they had started moving what the room was was people would come into like a bar slash clown style room and the lights would come off a strobe light would appear and a, a clown wielding a chainsaw would come out and running at the people well they uh noticed that things started to move and they noticed it only happened when the lights came off and the strobe light hit so they decided to watch the clowns and they found that one of the clowns that had been on the ground had been moved to a shelf in like a blink of an eye second to a shelf that no one could reach without a ladder we didn't have anyone tall enough at the time to even reach that high so we kind of decommissioned that room for the rest of the night we kind of had to move people around and avoid that room because the people that were in that room scaring people refused to go in that room anymore and i'd say one of the most impactful things that We didn't get to see, but we heard from one of our other scare actors that was just phenomenal for me to hear was uh, one of our scare actors was leaving our makeup slash break room, uh, getting ready to go into a spot to start scaring for the night, and he heard a noise behind him, and he turned around quickly because he was by himself, keep in mind. He turned around, and he saw a little girl in a red dress walk out of the makeup slash break room and walk through a wall. And he he didn't believe in the paranormal at the time, but he saw that and he was just a complete true believer after that.
2: You know, it's it's funny because <laughs> when you said the Anderson Hotel, I did not realize that it had opened up as a haunted attraction. And I'd heard, you know, rumors of it being haunted and stuff like that for years. So when you said, you know, Bree started saying, hey I I was working in a caged room, and I'm thinking, man, what kind of a hotel is this? You got a caged room? <laughs> so it didn't click to me that it was a haunted attraction until after the you know the other story started, and I thought, okay, okay, well, it makes a lot more sense now.
3: <laughs> Probably should have been more specific.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it, you're used to being there with it being a haunted attraction, and sometimes you forget that not everybody knows right. that it was a haunted attraction, because like I said, I didn't know, but I, I did a little bit of looking up since you guys started talking about it, and then apparently it must be pretty badass, because they said when it opened up in 2018 there were 400 people who came on friday and saturday that first weekend and 50 of them turned around and, and couldn't complete the tour
0: we had a board in our main lobby that we called the uh, quitter board and we marked throughout the entire haunt season how many people had quit and we were we probably had
3: about 500 people yeah quit. close
0: to 500 people quit that season
2: what do you think makes it so scary for people to where they're dropping out like that
0: Well, uh, not only the fact of it being haunted, because before you go in, The man who runs it, who is actually the mayor of Lawrenceburg, Troy Young, would shout out to Troy. Yeah, shout out to Troy Young. Uh, He would tell the group coming in, he would tell them the history of the hotel and tell them that it's one of the most haunted places in Kentucky's history. So, besides Waverly Hill Sanitarium, of course. I guess that would get them in the mindset of the paranormal. Like people normally are scared and things like that when they hear the paranormal. So that kind of puts them on their edge. And then our scare actors, it is a a, uh, no-touch haunted attraction, yes, but... But we
3: do get in your face. Yes, Please. but we
0: are allowed to be up in your face screaming, chainsaws, whatever we want to do, just... We keep no, away from physical. the physical touching, the cursing, things like that. It's a family-friendly attraction if you think your kids are okay with being scared. But right. we're up in place just typically, screaming.
3: Typically, the guy who runs it, Troy, he will tell you he would prefer kids not to go through. But, you know, there's some parents that are like, you know, my child's two years old. Let, let them get scared. But he, he would prefer them not to.
0: Even though I myself have seen two, three, five year, all the way up up to eight-year-olds, not even blink an eye at the things that we're doing, coming at them, scream whatever. But the parents, the parents mean... are on the ground peeing their pants. I literally had a group one night with, it was two parents and their three kids. The kids weren't scared, but the mom and dad were on the ground screaming. The dad got up, and he literally, and I quote, jumped up and said, I think I just pissed myself. <laughs> we encourage all types of people to come in, preferably kids we kind of try to stay away from but it's a public attraction you you pay your money we do we, it doesn't matter how old you are what race sex gender whatever just we just feel that it is not completely suitable for children but if you want to bring your kid go for it let them have the time of their lives
2: i don't know if you're familiar of uh, McCamey manor but that's the haunted house that around halloween time it always gets floated around it you had to sign a waiver, and they could touch you and beat on you and lock you up and all that stuff. And But we had Russ McCamey, who actually runs that, and one of the young ladies, uh, Christina, who's always in the videos that you see on YouTube that's ex-military and came over from Afghanistan to be able to go through this. And he had her crying like crazy, and she'd actually tried a couple of times and went through but we had both of them on the show to talk about both sides of it. You know, what does Russ get out of through a lot of doing that and setting it up to be the scariest and most stringent haunted haunted house in the country and then what is it like for somebody to go through it? It's actually one of my favorite episodes.
3: I've actually wanted to go through it but I don't think I could. Like yeah. I just I couldn't.
0: I, I'm a scare actor, and I love horror and being scared, but I just don't think I don't I don't like can. to be scared. <laughs> I love <That's> being <laughs> scared, but I don't think I would the strength to go through all that. I'd love to meet the man and speak to him and figure out, like – how he does things and what he gets is what all he does for it but i just i don't think that i would be able to go through it
2: the new one he opened up because he was out west and there was so much i know he started off i think in illinois and then it went somewhere uh went out to san diego i believe and both places pretty much kind of gave him the boot from being able to run it out there and now he's just outside of nashville so he's really not that far from us
0: Yeah, yeah. I've been watching YouTube videos for a long time. Like whenever I got into the haunted house business, as I like to say, I've been watching videos and behind the scenes stuff of different haunted houses. And Candy Manor just really just caught my attention real quick. And I've just... I've been following his content ever since.
2: Yeah, I think the new one down there, from my understanding, it's not quite the same. So it's a little less physical, a little more mental, uh, which is kind of what he's made his thing on anyway. It's, it's been all about mentally torment rather than anything else. Well, Guys, it was fun having you on. We'll get you because I know you all have more stories. I'll get you on some other time and we'll let you tell some other stories.
0: Well, we would love to be on the show again.
2: All right. No problem. We'll definitely get you on. I love to have repeats. As you can hear Ninja barking in the background, as he does most shows. <laughs> the, I was going to say the professionalism here never stops.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that uh, none of our dogs decided to decide to tell their stories today, as it will. <laughs>
2: yeah, they're all tucked out somehow. Well, Jesse, Bree, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you for you having, us. having us. You're more than welcome. All right. So that was Jesse and Bree. They were so much fun. And it's a possibility that we might have put that on another show. But they hadn't heard it, and I couldn't find where it was, so I just put it on there again. Yeah. Just to be safe.
1: Always, Even if it is on there, it's always worth a second listen.
2: Right. And it's at the end of the show, so if you heard it and you didn't want to listen to it again, you know. Yeah. Got through everything else. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for everything you do. We appreciate it. And uh, like I said, we've got some cool stuff coming up over the next couple weeks. We'll do some stuff that we hadn't done a lot of, some haunted cemeteries and some battlegrounds and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. We love you guys. We hope you have a blessed week.